At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone but not just anyone alma is there to help you find the right fit visit helloalma.com therapy 30 to schedule a free consultation today that's helloalma.com therapy 30 this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is Friday. You know what that means. Joining us now, John Daigle from 4 for 4 and Betsperts here to talk about some of his favorite prop angles for week 11 of the NFL season. John, thank you so much for joining us. I guess we have to talk about last night and uh, some of the rather unfortunate things that happened in terms of Joe Burrow uh, potentially missing some time with his injury. Mark Andrews might very well be done for the rest of the season. So when we talk about, say, all of the things that have gone on uh, from last night in terms of key injuries, how do we look forward here? What are we supposed to do uh, about the Bengals and the Ravens, uh, all of those things as far as, uh, you know, futures and maybe even games coming up? Bear with me, first of all, because back on the road with family for Thanksgiving ahead of time. So not working with the same professional mic. I usually sound like a cartoon character. <laughs> in. I'm going to have to sound like a cartoon with this one instead this week. But it's just unfortunate. I also hate when these backups get thrown into these situations because it's not their fault. It's the organization's fault. Everyone's upset at Zach Wilson if you're a Jets fan when the Jets went into the season with a 40-year-old quarterback, a terrible offensive line, and they knew through two years who Zach Wilson was. He gets thrown in the fire, and it's his fault. And now it's the same thing. Jake Browning was one of the league's worst quarterbacks in the preseason, and the, and the Bengals did absolutely nothing about it. Just said, fine, we'll give up. We're not going to do anything better. So he's about to be under the fire, and it's not going to go well at all. Not to mention that defense. It's such a letdown. I really thought Louie Arumo was trending to be perhaps offense or assistant coach of the year, but also throw his name to the hat for like the fourth season in a row to become a head coach this offseason. But this defense now continuing to allow a league high and explosive plays per week. Uh, they're just not getting it done. The pass protection is bad as well, which won't help Browning in the future if we're missing time. So it's just a situation where given that the Bengals have the toughest remaining schedule in the AFC North, not only that, but now Dorian Thompson Robinson under center for Cleveland, you just have to bet the Ravens. You can't think anything else. Mike, I mean, the, the gap between the tier that Lamar is on and then now the rest of the division, now we Unreal. can't even say Burrow. Now we can't say, oh, well, at least you got Burrow in the same tier. No, no, not second tier, maybe not the third tier uh, with everybody else throwing Pickett in the mix as well. All right, so last week was actually an over week. So 
guys like you, fantasy, dive into props. I know that's very exciting. And and I'm wondering, I know we have a 32 and a half, 33, but let's throw that one to the side for a minute. But I'm looking at these numbers wondering if if uh, we're going to get back to normal, right? Like we've got a handful in the high 40s, Monday night, everybody's looking forward to Philadelphia and Kansas City. So is there a specific game that you have circled that you think, Okay, you know what? That's going to be the highest scoring of the week for props, for, you know, all sorts of different betting angles. That's what I'm targeting. If you do DFS, whatever. Uh, Fantasy guys, I want guys in this game. What's that game this week? I think the game could be Bears-Lions because (laughs) I'm torn. Uh, We saw a ceiling from Justin Fields in the two games before he was injured. He was injured in that third game where it began trending in the right direction. Uh, Even had his most designed carries per game in those last two starts compared to his entire starts in the first month of the season before that. At the same time, it was against the Commanders and the Broncos before they became an above-average unit on defense. This is still when they were historically poor. So I'm not sure how much to weigh into that. At the same time, though, we know that the only way to attack both these defenses, the Lions and the Bears, is through the air. So if we're going to get a ceiling, it's going to have to be done through efficiency through the quarterback, since both rushing defenses are awesome. Very rarely do we see teams make big splashes in free agency, but dude, the Bears linebackers are so good. And like they are just creating what is quite literally by every metric, uh, the league's best run defense, not to mention the Lions too, although they have proven to be a pass seed. We kind of talked about this last week too with Justin Herbert, where I questioned if they would get it done. But now we know the Lions have had really just three tough games all year and all three quarterbacks, Geno, Lamar, and Herbert had no issues just moving the ball at will through the air, something to look to towards Lions futures. So If Justin Fields is completely healthy and we get this ceiling outcome, since you can't run on the Lions, top five in both yards per carry allowed to opposing running backs and in limiting explosive plays on the ground too, then I think that's the game where it all adds up. Uh, The only other one I can think of, and I feel like such a sucker, because I know know it's a public spot, and at some point the Texans and C.J. Stroud will come back to earth. You cannot be this good as a rookie consecutively. Having said that, it just seems like a spot where the Cardinals' defense is the thing that's going overlooked and just how piss poor they are. Like, that was their first game last week to pressure the quarterback on over 40% of his dropbacks, and that's only because it was Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter. Uh, They were 30th in pressure rate heading into that game. And guess what happens when you leave C.J. Stroud untouched? He's averaging the third most yards per attempt with 15 touchdowns and two interceptions from a clean pocket. So I really think the Texans could move the ball at will too. I guess I'm just a little concerned because I do know it's the public side and that always worries me a little bit. All right. When Joe asked that question, I wrote down bears, lions, Texas Cardinals. And what about dolphins Raiders? I think that Mm. could be another one, John, where we could see some props, anything you like in that one. I'd probably still lean to Devon a Chan overs because It wasn't four weeks and then returning off injured reserve. It's been six weeks. He's had that entire bye and the extra time to heal. I bet he comes right back at full strength, not to mention Raheem Mostert still battling that lingering ankle injury. And the Raiders, this this ain't the spot. Like, I think Antonio Pierce is a great story. I'm happy for them. But when you're you're providing the league's highest run play rate these last two games – 
Uh, you can get away with it when it's the Jets and the Giants. You cannot get away with it when the Dolphins come or host you. And that's an offense that's 28th in place per game, but they're still leading the league in the rate of their drives to end in a touchdown because they don't need plays. They just skip third down and score on you. So whenever Antonio Pierce and Aiden O'Connell are staring down the barrel of a three-score deficit, you can't run the ball with Josh Jacobs. You're going to have to throw. And it's probably not going to be pretty. It's only a two-game sample, but now since the Dolphins ran who also had a two extra weeks to heal over the bye. It was the Patriots and the flu game for Patrick Mahomes, but it was still the seventh lowest rate of drives in and a touchdown among all offenses in the league that the Dolphins defense held their opponents to. So it just seems like the perfect storm of a game the Raiders shouldn't show up for. I usually am tepid about big spreads. I am not about that one. They're probably just going to lay it on. Uh, having said that, though, since I have now been asked in consecutive questions, my favorite prop for the week, I'll go ahead and give you the audio clip for next week because since we got Stafford at full health, I believe it's a week to bet the overs on Puka Nakua because the Seahawks are one of those defenses that you can set your watch to. They're playing zone coverage on over 80% of their snaps since they returned from their bye, a stretch of five games. And this year, Puka has been awesome and the more dominant receiver against zone coverage. They're also mixing him with Cooper Cup from the middle of the field, which is how we target the Seahawks too, since with both Tariq Woolen and Devin Witherspoon healthy, they've been awesome. They're literally allowing a league low yards per catch from the boundary, but you can still attack them up the gut. And Puka against zone coverage this year has not only seen 61% of his targets against said coverage, but he's had a league high 49 catches for the seventh most yards per route run against that. So I have confidence in Puka and I like the number for the Rams too. I'm crossing my fingers and Stafford is practicing full throughout the week. I don't think they're lying about it like we were lied to about Joe Burrow's injury. The cover <laughs> up is on from the Bengals already and Zach Taylor. But uh, mm -hmm. with Stafford healthy, remember, Sean McVay has had Pete Carroll's number. They found a way to hang around um, in all these games with McVay. Even going back to last year, that was Baker Mayfield and John Wolford. And they were only outscored by the Seahawks by a combined seven points. McVay still hung them around. And Stafford comes out in week one and wings it around the field for 337 and eight and a half yards per attempt. So I do like the Rams with a number two. It was also curious in that game that Tutu Atwell went off for more than 110 yards or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah. you know, he's not wide receiver two or wide receiver three most times. He's just uh, a gadget, I suppose, more than anything else. But uh, that will be an interesting game, to say the least. And definitely I like the look as far as Nakua goes. Uh, what, and I get it was against the Giants, but what is it about this Cowboys offense that impressed you the most uh, scoring as much as they did last week? And what is replicatable against the Panthers, knowing full well that this is another massive spread? Like the Saints, who it took them the last three games, but they had issues scoring in the red zone. And they it finally clicked. I, I don't blame reporters for doing their job, but the puff pieces about Derek Carr this offseason just lost the fact who Derek Carr is for his entire career. And he was literally dead last in the league in completion rate. A 40% of his passes completed inside the red zone. And now these last three games, they've said, if we, if we need to score, if we need to get better as an offense, we have to take the $150 million quarterback off the field. That's the only way we get better. And that's what they've done. They've instead put Taysom Hill in that position, and they've become a better scoring offense for it. It's the same thing for the Cowboys. 
I don't necessarily blame Tony Pollard for everything. Uh, I could be biased as well for fantasy reasons since he was one of my highest drafted players. He, he also hasn't been explosive at all. But the running the ball these first two months in the red zone was not it. That was, Even this past game against the Giants, he had three goal line carries and he couldn't punch it in. And then here comes Rico Dowdle in the second half, gets one goal line carry and has no issues dancing in the end zone. So it, it is a lot of Tony Pollard, but at the same time, they have put their trust into Dak Prescott, and it's obviously worked. Over the last month now, Prescott's averaging 9.2 yards per attempt, has completed a league-high 70% of his passes, and has 12 touchdowns, not to mention the, the two rushing touchdowns in that span as well as somehow he got his legs back. Uh, he doesn't look the fastest individual, but he's also like a bigger linebacker type of profile. So he's adding it all now. My only concern, Ed, I'm curious if you have a look here, because I've been thinking about the props for the Cowboys, and I thought there's just no way the Panthers hang around. But as betters, we still look ahead. And the Cowboys have that massive divisional game, short turnaround against the Commanders. And so I just wonder if I'm also, like the Texans, I'm buying into some kind of magic a little too late. I wonder if I'm going to be behind by betting this big number. I think I'm actually worried. I don't know how the Panthers would cover, but I think I'm more worried about a backdoor than anything. Mm. Will the Bills see a bounce back after firing their coach? No, not this week. Okay. Absolutely not. Uh, I, again, I could be a sucker here. And by now, we all know how poor Josh Allen has been against Robert Sala, even going back to last year, because that's when they added Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. So, it, so it's important that Allen has yet to reach 240 passing yards in those games, a total of wow. two touchdowns and five picks. I believe that MGM, when I bet it Monday, it was at seven. I don't think they've moved. I'm, I'm looking to see if I can get a hook to at seven and a half. But I have the number at seven for the Jets. Um, and I like Gabe Davis under receiving yards quite a bit. Because in these games also against Sauce and Reed, Gabe Davis hasn't reached 35 yards in any of those games. And last I checked, his prop was around 38, 39. So more than comfortable playing that all the way down to 36 under receiving yards. And... It's also just the fact that although the Bills have been better the last month, they're, they're getting a little more formidable against the run. And that's the perfect time to do so since the Jets just cut Michael Carter. We're expecting more touches for Brees Hall this week. The pass defense is still just so bad. I, I don't know if that means it's bad enough or Zach Wilson has success. You have to go through three universes to probably get to that outcome. But can Garrett Wilson, like, do something? Can they get enough done to cover the seven? I think so. So I like the Jets with a number. Any other props that you have your eye on, matchups that we could take a look at? Um, I was looking at Herbert against this Packers defense. Any any interest in that one? Were you looking at under passing yards? <laughs> no. Over. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that would be my lane. And just for, for reference, I haven't bet it yet. Uh, and I also was a little bit concerned that Keenan Allen popped up, banged up this week. It seems like he's going to play – and remember, last year without Keenan Allen, or I should say with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams at less than full strength, Austin Eckler had a 26% target share. So I, I think that's my lane more than anything, is Austin Eckler receptions over against this poor Packers front seven. Uh, uh, trust me, Aaron, I, I've literally thought all week, I thought, this is like, is this Christian Watson? Is this Jaden Reed? But I, as much as I am 
I usually put bias aside and just bet the numbers. I can't do it with Jordan Love. I cannot get there. I tried to wrap my head around it. It is, on paper, a great spot for the passing game, but I can't do it. So I think my only lean, honestly, would be Austin Eckler overs there. No, that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, I've got about a minute, less than a minute left here. Uh, first preview of Eagles and Chiefs. What do you like here? Chiefs coming back from their bye. We all know the old cliche about Andy Reid coming off the bye. Uh, I think the Eagles are technically the better team. But the fact that the Chiefs are coming out healthier now, both on defense and offense, and again, the last time we saw them, it was the flu game. You can kind of just throw it behind us. I do like the Chiefs with the number. That's the way I'm playing it. It's probably going to be completely different, honestly, whenever they play in the playoffs. But for right now, especially given that Jalen Hurts is battling that knee injury, I honestly just think the Chiefs are, yeah, in the better spot. So nothing nothing too crazy. It's going to be a fun game. I'm excited for it. It's probably going to go under because primetime games hate us. But I do still like the Chiefs with the number. Good stuff. John Daigle from 4 for 4 at BetSperts. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. Enjoy the family. Enjoy uh, the travel as well and safe travels as well. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, the Bills get another chance to get right against Zach Wilson and the Jets. But will they? We'll discuss it right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. with Stephon Diggs. Obviously, he's unhappy, but I don't know why. And you're not going to get traded uh, anymore because the trade, line, tra- trade deadline has passed. You're not going to get cut. You're too good of a player. You're making too good of an impact. Just suck it up. Why cause these problems? Why? This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. That was Rob Gronkowski talking about Stefan Diggs and potentially being unhappy in Buffalo. We will get to that in just a bit when we preview the Bills and the Jets. But first, a tweet from Adam Schefter I think is most relevant when it comes to uh, the sports betting space. The NFL is investigating why the Bengals did not list Joe Burrow on their injury report when the team posted a picture of him wearing a device on his wrist Wednesday night, and he appeared to be hampered by the injury early in the Thursday night game that he later left, the league confirmed today. NFL routinely looks into matters of compliance. They will do so in this instance as well. Teams can be fined or potentially lose a draft pick because of this. But Joe, I think for us, this matters a great deal because if we don't have all of the information, it makes life much, much tougher on us to figure out how to handicap such games like these. We would have spent all day yesterday talking about the Burrow injury, and we didn't talk about it because we didn't know about it. He wasn't on the injury report. 
And the league has come down and said that you guys got to be more honest. They try to push it, but there's only th- only so much they can do. So Zach Taylor comes out and says he has no idea. He didn't know anything about it. We all know he's lying. He's lying. Because Aaron said it at the top, and she's 100% correct. If you you don't know that your franchise quarterback that you just gave the lifetime deal to is injured and you're the head coach, then you should be launched yesterday. We, we all know that he knows. We all know he knows. Um, and it just, the surprising part was, oh, we're not talking about the calf anymore. Now we're talking about the wrist. And th- there's just no other way, of, there's no way around it. We've talked about this. The NFL is in bed with sports books. And they, the NFL is promoting sports books everywhere you look. It's signage in the stadium. It's commercials throughout the – it's everywhere. It's on the crawl of the games. It's on NFL Network day and night. You you can't take on the billions and billions of dollars from so many sports books that they are partners with. I think the number's at seven. Seven, not one, not two, but we're talking seven. And then and then have this. You can't have it. We pay, We spend how much time every week talking about the injury report and breaking it down? Okay, he was questionable, or he's a 50-50. We were talking about it with the Bears last week, that the head coach is on record saying the player's not going to play, but he's not out. What the hell are you talking about? So the league better get this figured out. <laughs> and I'd also add that there were some drastic overreactions as Mike Florio was on the war path last night, talking about a grand jury getting involved. So like, we've got to find some common ground. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. I was just <laughs> thinking, what would the repercussions and consequences be for the Bengals with that? I didn't have that uh, on my mind. That is extreme, <laughs> I think, but still, I mean, even our power rankings this week, futures, I mean, there's just so much involved with like keeping this information quiet that definitely affects betters in the way that we put our hard-earned money on games. So I think it's frustrating that, you know, we had no idea about this and it's pretty evident something was going on. Yeah, Since I threw it out there, I'll mention what, what he said. He said, meanwhile, the NFL injury reporting system is a joke as evidenced by Burroughs' wrist injury being hidden. The joke will be on the NFL when Congress calls a hearing or a prosecutor convenes a grand jury. (laughs) Oh, boy. It's not just any jury, but a grand jury. That's when you know it's serious. I don't think that's I I look... Yeah, right. No (laughs) kidding. Uh, Here's the way I look at it, because not only is this important information for us betters to know how to play a game like this, it is the most important information that we could possibly have. And the fact that it is only isolated to just a handful of people who may have looked at a photo or video extra carefully and then noticed this device on Burroughs' wrist, I mean, that doesn't seem fair. This is information that should be shared with all of us. We should not have to do this kind of digging to figure out the health of any one quarterback, much less one that we have established at the top of the show today, who the offense runs through. Like, Joe Burrow matters more to the Bengals than I would argue just about any other starting quarterback to any offense, with the exception of maybe Pat Mahomes, just because he is the offense. He does everything. He calls just about everything. Without him, you basically have nothing despite having some great receivers. So in this aspect, it is making it that much tougher 
to want to bet on football. This is affecting our livelihood in some ways because if we don't have the most important information, how are we supposed to believe that we are getting a fair shake in terms of having all of the information that we need to come up with a bet? Now, I understand that part of this game, I suppose, is projecting, forecasting, all of that stuff. But some of us don't do that. Some of us do bet just before kickoff or the day of the game or whatever, Mm -hmm. where we want to have everything that we possibly can know. And if that is your approach, if that is your process, and you're missing out on the most important information, then you're probably less likely to want to bet because you don't necessarily believe everything that you're getting. This is bad for the betting industry, and it does have to get cleaned up. And by the way, we are also talking about the quarterback in question, right? The biggest story in the NFL was the first month of the season when he was not 100%, and we saw what version of Joe Burrow that was. Bottom five offense in the league, maybe the worst, right? With all the poor quarterback play that we have, there are a number of numbers that would suggest that they were, you know, bottom three, bottom five offense in the league with Joe Burrow on the field, but a hobbled Joe Burrow. And then he got healthy. Then it became clear with anybody that could that could see, okay, Burrow is back. Then that became the story. And now this, now the wrist, which we knew nothing about, nobody knew anything about. So, I mean, yeah, the, the NFL, I don't know that they have a problem on their hands, but this needs to be handled. And they need a better working relationship with these coaches. I don't know what they need to threaten. I don't know what the punishment needs to be, but they've got to make it clear. They've got to do something here where coaches are going to avoid doing something like this. Mm-hmm. I agree. And also just big picture on Joe Burrow. It's just been one thing after the other with this guy. I mean, can oh, he yeah. stay healthy for a full season? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to go as far to say he's done, and he, but I, I guess you could say he's injury prone at this point. It's well, hard to want I, to back him. I understand why why people are going to think that because this is, you know, we've seen season-ending injuries and maybe this one's another season-ending injury for him. But just, you know, living in the the NFC North, I remember for a very very long time injury prone was attached to Matthew Stafford until it wasn't, until he started mm. putting together full seasons. That's and true. now people would say, "Oh, no, it's back." No, he's old. There's a difference. When he was young, he kept getting hurt, kept getting hurt. I, I would chalk that one up as it's football. And yes, he was injured a lot early on and he had some terrible luck, but then he had a run, a long run of seasons where he was available all the time. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And the other thing, too, there real quickly is what was the big knock on Joe Burrow even when he was playing well? He was taking too many sacks. When you take too many sacks, you're likelier to get hurt. It's not necessarily that the body is failing him. It's that he's failing himself by taking too many hits and taking too many sacks. That, in some way, I believe, can't help either. What's also fascinating is with all of these Bengals problems, it may very well open the door for another AFC team to come in and snag a wild card spot. And of course, I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills. They are seven point favorites against the Jets with a total of 39 and a half. Joe, how do you see this game playing out? Yeah, you know, I I asked John Daigle if we're going to see a bounce back. Sometimes you see that fired coach bump, but it is not a great spot. It isn't not going up against this secondary. So here's how I do evaluate it. Now, look, I don't have a play on the side or even the total, but I think about what's happening in the building for the Bills right now. McDermott is trying to take control. So that's why he got rid of Dorsey. What kind of plan of attack are we going to see offensively? And we know McDermott is the D.C., but I would venture to guess that he's more involved with the offense this week than he has been all season, especially with the young guy, Joe Brady. He's uh, promoting from quarterbacks coach to play caller this week. And what have we seen the Bills do that they've had some success with? Run the football. That's why so many people were upset because James Cook was off to a very nice start. He fumbles, then he benches him. But he has been, uh, I mean, that's it. I mean, I think they're going to have to stick with Cook And for his sake, I hope he doesn't fumble the ball. And I think he's going to have some success because good luck passing on this team. I don't (laughs) see a prop for passing attempts yet, but the rushing yards prop for James Cook is 52 in the hook. I I like over that number, guys. Mm -hmm. What is the Josh Allen interception prop? Is he going to keep doing that too? Oh, it's got to be bad. It's 
It's gotta be <laughs> minus two fifty. Yeah. Well, I yeah, right. I don't. I think they're gonna try to rein him in a little bit because look at look at the balls that he is turning over. He, he's going for it all, and I think they're gonna try and and limit that a little bit because it's this way. It's not working. Throw an interception. BetMGM has the best price out there. It's minus one sixty. But how much of that is him, though? How much of that is is a Josh lot. Allen's fault? Like, I, I well, don't think some... so. I mean, I guess I keep going. I mean, e- even the bad game on Monday night. I look at that throw to Gabe Davis. Like that was off of his hands. He was wide open. Like I don't necessarily think that this offense is necessarily drawn up poorly. I mean, if you have to make a change in offense coordinator, fine, whatever. It's not going to matter that much, at least in the here and now. Maybe after a few weeks, Joe Brady can put his fingerprints on this. But I don't think this was a poorly run or designed offense. I just think that after Stefan Diggs, you can't trust anybody. And that is not a quick fix. That is a front office kind of situation. So I look at this and say, you know, what is it? Like in terms of his uh, bad throw rate or turnover worthy play rate, Josh Allen's 27th. Per PFF, I don't think yeah. all of these interceptions are his fault. And at some point, this has to go down. That is not a play that I want to make. What do you guys think? Look, I want Josh Allen on my team. I, I want him being my quarterback. But I'm not going to sit here and say that it's all bad luck, that it's, oh, it's a smaller sample size. That was on the receiver there. Um, he does tr- trust the rookie tight end Kincaid now. I mean, it's a large sample. We go over the last few years. He has by far the most turnovers in the league. And sometimes that's also him fumbling the ball. So I, I think there's somewhere in the middle. I'm not going to say he's trash. I'm not going to tear him apart uh, because of how the offense is set up. And, and they want, you know, the high flying offense. That's what they set up there. But also mm-hmm. some of the turnovers are on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still really good, even if he does throw an interception. Is anyone going to be on the Bills side here? It seems like this has to be a Bills spot where they just, you know? Yeah, I am. I'm not. Yeah, absolutely. I I do think that even though this Bills defense is banged up, it's Zach Wilson. And in that first meeting, everything that could have gone wrong did. I can't believe that the Bills are going to continue to be this unlucky. Like, if they play at least the average caliber that they can be at a minimum, I think they're going to be just fine. I, I would back the bills here, but also back Stefan Diggs Cause I think you bring in Joe Brady. It's like, okay, make sure the star gets the ball. I think that can happen It's 73 and a half. Yeah. It's a big number, but I think he goes over that. So that's the other prop here that I, I like. How about right. we move on now to the chargers and the Packers? Because again, the Bengals problems can open up the door for another team to snag a wild card spot. The Chargers could be that team. They are three point favorites on the road at Lambeau with a total of 44, Joe. Well, the Chargers got some really good news yesterday when Keenan Allen said that he's going to play in this game. Cause what are they going to do if he, if he could it? Because last week we're talking about 14 targets went for 175, got into the end zone twice. Could you imagine this offense down Keenan and Mike Williams and Palmer? Like, where's the ball going to go? Eckler, you're going to get 86 touches in this game. But uh, yeah, no, I think there are a few interesting angles mentioned yesterday. I do like the Chargers at three. If it goes to three and a half, I probably. Uh, back off on this one Keenan Allen props I didn't see any posted but I will definitely be taking a close look on Keenan Allen props okay now we do have some uh so let's see receptions is at seven and a half over is plus money that's a big number uh the yardage numbers 84 and a half where else are they going to throw it's Keenan Allen and Eckler right you you would think that's it he's plus money for a touchdown he's plus 115 
that should be a pretty mm. good look. And Eckler getting involved, uh, I would expect to see that. You know, a part of it with the Packers is how much are you buying into what you saw last week? That's not an easy test going to Pittsburgh. And they put up 400 yards of offense. The problem was once they got into the red zone, they were only one for five in the red zone. Jordan Love, lowest completion percentage in the NFL. I'm not buying them. I'm not buying this Packers offense and looking at last week and saying, okay, this is such a positive sign. They're going to keep that rolling. I don't see any way that they're going to be able to uh, keep up with this Chargers offense, especially since it looks like Keenan Allen's uh, good to go. So a few different angles I'm looking at, all Chargers related. Same. I, I just think the Chargers are better all the way around, and the Packers have a terrible defense. So they stink on offense. I don't trust Jordan Love, and their defense is bad against this Chargers offense. So I, I'll probably be looking at Herbert props, but it's not one of my favorites. Good stuff. This is Becky Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, can the Broncos build off their win against the Bills? We've got Vikings, Broncos, and Raiders, Dolphins right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. drive. Wilson gets rid of it for the touchdown to Javante Williams. What a job by Russell Wilson under heavy pressure. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Let's get back to the games and I'm really looking forward to talking about this one. We've got the Vikings and the Broncos. Denver's a two and a half point favorite at home with a total of 42 and a half. Joe, what are you thinking here? Well, why don't I throw it back to you? Because I know you have a strong opinion on this one. So uh, where, where are you at? A lot of people do. I, I've learned. It's yeah. an obvious teaser spot with the dog just short of that number of three and mm-hmm. in, in a low total game. But uh, I, I know you have an opinion on the side. Where are you going? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm taking the Vikings here. And I know it's weird to say, hey, Josh Dobbs, who is largely just a trade piece, uh, could start out, what is it, 3-0 and in a Vikings uniform? But I think that's where we are. I think that's the era we are in, uh, where Josh Dobbs can be a successful starting quarterback in this league, I suppose. Part of the problem is that, okay, Denver was historically bad defensively. We get all that. And they have been playing better over the last few weeks. Fine. I still think, though, that the Broncos are struggling a bit in man coverage. And I think even without Justin Jefferson, these Vikings receivers are a few I am more than comfortable with. Now, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkins, all these guys. Like, I do feel like that after your ace receiver, you can trust everybody else. 
And if this Broncos defense really is better in zone coverage, like, okay, in man, you trust Patrick Sertan, right? Like, he's going to be phenomenal. He's one of the reasons why Stefan Diggs didn't play well Monday night. But the difference here is that you don't trust the other receivers for the Bills. I think you do trust the other receivers for Minnesota. And so I think Josh Dobbs will still be able to do whatever he wants. I think that matters a great deal. And I do think in terms of Denver's offensive attack, like, yeah, they're going to run the ball a good bit. But I also don't think that's going to be enough to perhaps keep up with a more high-flying approach that I think the Vikings will have. So to me, I would back Minnesota plus two and a half. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is one of those games, Aaron, where I I found it funny. The more and more people – it seems like a lot of people have an opinion on this game, and it's pretty split down the middle. I've heard strong cases for the Denver side, also strong cases for the Minnesota side. And what I'm going to take a look at is Hawkinson props. Because, I mean, well, why not? First off, the Broncos have not done very well this season against the tight end position. And sometimes you're going against top end guys like Kincaid is good. He's not great yet, but um, they, he, they faced Kelsey a couple times. He torched them, of course. But Cole Komet had a monster game for the Bears against them. Uh, the, the commander's tight ends combined for 89 yards and Hawkinson got all the targets last week. So if, especially if Jefferson's not out there, I mean, Hawkinson got 15 targets against New Orleans. So I would think uh, that those Hawkinson props are going to do very well, but we don't have receptions or receiving yards available yet. I'm sure part of that is because of uh, we're waiting on Jefferson news. Mm-hmm. I think the Vikings and Josh Dobbs are just clicking on all cylinders. And I do think the Broncos turnaround is real, but I still think they have a little ways to go. I mean, they were, or still are one of the worst defenses in the league. So like, you know, what, where could they go, but up, you know what I mean? And I think against this mm-hmm. Vikings team, it's going to be tough. And I just think they have a little ways to go. So I will be on the Viking side here prop I want to ask you guys about Russell Wilson a how has he looked all season long in your eyes and b what can we do to either back him or fade him because it it does seem like that with Denver they're probably a little bit more reliable things that we can point to as far as what can happen but I think when the Broncos get into the red zone that okay obviously Javante Williams may be the obvious approach but what if Wilson uses a little play action What if he decides to throw it after a potential handoff and he does this a couple of times to kind of fool Minnesota's defense where they're going to probably throw the kitchen sink at him? I like Russell Wilson over one and a half passing touchdowns at plus 145. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, Russell Wilson has looked a lot better. It, It felt like on Monday it was a bit of a throwback. And was there luck involved? Sure. Or was it just Russ being Russ? Like how many times did he do the shovel pass just to just to keep a drive just going and, you know, player's arm reaches out another inch and then that breaks the play up. It was just like last second. Most quarterbacks are getting sacked in that spot and he was still finding ways to deliver the football. So I do have to give him credit there that he'd certainly uh, figure things out. Broncos country, let's ride. Uh, but it, you know, you talk, you see Russ after the game. It felt like a felt like old school Sunday night football. Like, oh, there's Russ finding a way to get it done once again, and they <laughs> found a way, even though the Bills helped them along the way. But um, but yeah, no, I certainly think that they he deserves credit, even though it is not through the air, and that's okay. They're finding ways to get it done via the ground game, 
And that's what we always expected. That's what we thought by just watching what they were doing with the personnel on this team. Okay, they're trying to beef up the offensive line. They're gonna they're gonna work on the run game. Sean Payton understands this is not the same old Russ. And you know, I, I know Ed that you're not believing in it, but you look at the last four weeks. I would say this defense, they're tenth in EPA per play. And they have faced some pretty good offenses. And it started with that Chiefs game. So, yeah, I I think they're – I know the numbers still say 32 because the beginning was so awful. But maybe they're more like an average to below average defense instead, which is a massive step up from where they were. Right. Yeah, I totally – I totally agree with that. I think because they started off so bad, you look at like where they are they're at right now, DVOA, for example, last in the league. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's not reflective of what they've been doing the last few games. I like Russell Wilson over 27 and a half rushing yards. It's obvious that he's running the ball, so maybe they're going to do more to contain him here in this matchup. But he's gone over that five times. So he's had 30 the last couple games. He's had a 49, a 56. So I might look at that. For sure. The the ground game will have to matter a good bit, especially if Minnesota continues to blitz the way they have. Uh, If, say, a couple of pass rushers get a little bit too far and maybe there's some open space up the middle, definitely I can see Russell Wilson using his legs a good bit more in a situation like that. So uh, I definitely like that look, Aaron, for sure. How about we move on now to the Seahawks and the Rams? Because I know there's a little bit of disagreement as far as this one is concerned. So let's do it. Seahawks, Mm -hmm. one-point favorites on the road, total of 46 and a half joe what are you thinking yeah i'm on the rams uh you're on the uh visiting seahawks there laying a point and i I think it's going to be somewhere around that that number the rams they've they've lost three straight but i think all all of that or most of it was without matthew stafford uh the rams coming off the bye and uh mcveigh has been very successful against pete carroll in his time but uh it's going to be very interesting because they they faced off to start the season. Rams took care of business without Cooper Cup. And it's it's trying to figure out this Seahawks team for me. And they really are a conundrum, aren't they? Like sometimes they look so damn good and the yardage is super high. Like it's it's nearly touching 500 yards like it did last week uh, against Washington. And they, and they were supposed to snap, right? That's the worst secondary going in the NFL right now. 6.6 yards per play. It was terrific. And then sometimes you're just left wondering, like you guys have all this talent on the field. What is going on? Why, why are the Washington commanders putting up what 36 on you when you have this terrific tandem at cornerback? Like I just don't understand. It it does feel <laughs> like they they've been underwhelming this season to some of the talent that they've acquired on the field. And maybe some of it is, is certainly uh Geno Smith regression, but I am on the Rams. I, I you know, I, I accept, expect McVeigh to have something dialed up. He's been uh, preparing for this one for a couple of weeks, and now he gets his quarterback back. Now, a lot of this is going to be what version of Matthew Stafford that we're going to see in this game. They've also the Rams have under the radar had a very strong run game this season, and they've been dealing with injuries there. So I think that's been part of uh, their struggles of late. It wasn't all just about the Matthew Stafford injury, but when when all of them are healthy, including the quarterback, this is one of the better uh, receiver tandems in the league. Hmm. This is a tough one. 
I'm probably mm-hmm. not going to play a side in this matchup. Just this is a toss up because is Matthew Stafford going to be rusty? What are we going to get? These two offenses are hard to figure out for me as well. What about Kenneth Walker? Would you be interested in any Kenneth Walker props, either of you? That might be the only place I'm looking in this matchup. I Game script, no. I, I think this will be a close game. And I also have to believe that Geno Smith will have the ball in his hands a good bit more. So mm-hmm. I could not do that personally, Joe. Yeah, so if you look at last week, high-scoring affair, he had 20 total touches, 63 rushing yards. Uh, in the Baltimore game, games got away from them. They're trailing a ton. He's not going to touch the ball much. Yeah, it kind of depends where this game goes. Like, if you think the Seahawks are going to win comfortably, I, I would definitely buy into that. But if it's a game like last week, a little chaotic near the end, there might be there might not be those opportunities. Yeah, it seems too dicey all. in this matchup to think <laughs> that they're going to go heavy on the run game. There's really nothing I like in this one. Yeah, I mean, you you think you think about his best games of the year against bottom feeders, Arizona, Carolina, and all that makes sense. Now, the other games, he's just kind of in the middle. You know what? You know, what's fascinating to me, and I think it's Aaron, one of the reasons why this game looks so uncertain and why there doesn't seem to be too many good plays is that I think a lot of us, myself included, we're looking at the first matchup to figure out what information we can glean from that and see, okay, what's replicatable. What can we see a second time that maybe we can back. And I'm seeing some really funky things from that week one meeting. Most notably, you know how many play action passes Geno Smith had in that first game, Joe, how many play action Mm -mm. passes Geno Smith had? Guessing not many. Okay. None. Geno Smith is a play action quarterback. Like that's what makes him great is being able to, you know, fake the run and then throw it deep to one of his great receivers. Didn't do that at all. And and not only that, like all the runs, like, yeah, they were up against light boxes, but they weren't working. Like I would argue for Shane Waldron, the offense coordinator, that was his worst called game of his career. I don't Mm -hmm. think anything was going right to where I got to think there's some positive regression available. And that's largely why I am backing the Seahawks here. Yes, we are in a in a disagreement there, but I, I just think too many bad things happened where it got out of control. This is Becky Bell Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, a pair of NFC contenders who are big favorites. 49ers hosting the Bucks. Cowboys going to Carolina. All that and more right here on the Becky Bell Network.